Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another episode. The Church of, of Lies. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Sh- shit! I should have said that. Oh my god, that, I missed it. I, I we're starting over. Fuck this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the, Church, to the Church, of Church of Lies. <laughs> um, <laughs> cranked and ranked is the name of this podcast. Um, or you, I professional mean, it could be the Church as of always, Lies, I guess. um we're we're back for another uh another exciting episode and another band uh album ranking discography thingy times that you know words sometimes don't come out the order they're supposed to come out but that's okay much shorter one a much shorter one (laughs) so uh, yes so we, we just we just jumped off of uh doing judas priest which took us three episodes to fully rank we we believe in giving these these bands discographies the time that they deserve and the discussions that they deserve but today we're going to be doing a band with a smaller discography and we're going to be taking a step back in to the land of thrash metal which is you know pretty much where i live most of the time um (laughs) oh and by the way i'm steven aka old head and with me as always is mr eddie sparks hello sir Hey, how you doing? I'm great. And I hope everyone out there is great, too, because uh, we're going to be talking about a band uh, that I think doesn't get as much recognition as they should. In fact, they are one of my favorite Bay Area thrash metal bands. Uh, we're going to be doing the discography of the band Forbidden. And um, Forbidden's a band that's been around since the mid-'80s. And um, I, I guess technically they're not around anymore. They, 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 I don't think there was an official breakup of Forbidden, but they yeah. haven't put out an album in 10 years. And as far as I can tell, the uh, vocalist, Russ Anderson, is not doing anything. I, I think he's he's a key element that he's not involved in in wanting to do this shit. And so um, so there you go. But we're, 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 let's not worry about that. We're going to talk about the uh, amazing albums that they have given us, which is five full-length albums. Eddie and I are going to be ranking these. Now, this is an interesting one because last time I'm not a very big Judas Priest fan, so I had to really dive in and listen to all of their shit in order to do the episode. This time around, Forbidden's a band that I know pretty well. And Eddie, had you heard any albums by Forbidden prior to this? I'd heard of the band, but never heard any of their stuff. So, uh, yeah. And that, that just goes to show you, Eddie is somebody that listens to a lot of music, especially a lot of metal from around the time that Forbidden was starting. So the fact that he hadn't heard these albums, that shows how how underrated this band is, that, that there should be a lot more talking about it. And that's, so that's yeah. what we're going to do. So we're going to rank the five Forbidden albums from uh, uh, le- least amazing to most amazing. <laughs> In, uh, yeah, it's, I'd say there, is, there isn't a bad album here. No, no, absolutely e- Everything not. I heard was great. So, um, so yeah, so I guess, you know, but no need to really uh, beat around the bush here. We, we kind of we have everything set up. So, um, so for those of you who, who, like I said before, they're a Bay Area band, and they were around 
in the mid eighties and they, you know, around the time that Testament was starting up and death angel and bands like that. And, um, for some reason they just don't get the, the, the love out there that other bands do. And I think that's weird because I think that they're way better than a lot of the bands that get a lot of chatter on the internets. So let's do it. You ready, sir? I am ready. All right. So let's start off as usual, letting Eddie go first. Let's hear your number five pick for the Forbidden Discography. Okay. So my last pick, I liked it, but I didn't love it as much as the the upper albums on this list. So for number five, I've gone with Green. And, wow. Um, are you surprised? I thought you would love this album. I, I, again, like I say, I really liked it, but not as much as everything else. But yeah, uh, yeah the stuff that I heard on there that you said I'd like, I did hear, which is uh, good news. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> but, first, so, um, so Forbidden's an album where, uh, so the first two albums are easily lumped in with thrash metal. And then the next two albums, Green being one of those two, is a little more on the 90s metal groove kind of side of things because um, Forbidden took a little bit of a turn into the 90s world there. Yeah. Yeah, and they definitely they really did play on the groove element. They pretty much shed... Well, the, the, this album, in comparison to the previous one, Distortion, I feel, still had some thrash on it. This one, however, very often... It, or or very little sorry has any thrash on it it's pretty much groove and or verging on new metal territory never quite going over the full corn limp biscuit route but there is a definite kind of uh, um machine headness to to this album i, so I love machine it's, head it's funny that you say that because uh I, I don't know if you did any research here but rob flynn, rob flynn. started yep. this band but he isn't on any of the albums he, yeah. he quit the band before they ever recorded the first album i think a couple of his songs are on the first album but that's interesting that you you make that comparison yeah. and it's cool to see like who's been in which band as well because sometimes i'll find out oh this person was in this band and then I'll find out, oh, these guys all know each other. <laughs> and, it's, yeah. and it's just one giant family, really. It's, it's really cool. But um, yeah, with that said, shall I go into the track by track? Yeah, let's do it. Sounds good. So I've got, uh, what is the last time? Uh, it's a really slow and groove-oriented song. A further evolution of the sound that they would move to on Distortion. Uh, Green, the title track, uh, it sounds like a mixture of Divine Intervention and Diabolus in Musica era Slayer. And uh, that's a trend that I will see throughout this album. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, I, I would go so far as to say that they did this shit better than Slayer did, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I would say that they definitely dip their toes into the same kind of zone. But yeah. I do feel like it fits this band more. Uh, then, then we get track three, which is "Fat," spelt with a PH for uh, <laughs> you know, just for that extra little bit of street cred there. Yep. Um, the groove influence is firmly in place by this era of the band's history, and it was at this track that I decided to listen to it on YouTube 
because the Spotify version, much like certain CD pressings, were from a bad master because it skips horribly. Oh, shit. I, th- I, I think that used to be the case on Apple Music as well, but I think it's been replaced now. So I don't know why yeah. it wasn't replaced on Spotify, but that fucking sucks. Yeah, it was. I, I was like, hang on. This is a streaming version. There is no... Like I thought for a second on the first couple of tracks, it was like a creative choice. Yeah, like let's, I, make, let's make this very '90s by making it have CD skips. <laughs> yeah, and I was I was thinking at that point maybe it was just some kind of odd choice in the studio to add all of this like chopped up digital artifact stuff going on. But then I realized that's a weird thing to choose for a whole album. Yeah, because by the time I got. Time I got to track three, it was like, you know, dun, 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 when like certain things would start skipping. Yeah, and I thought, sucks. I thought to myself, this isn't even a CD. So how is it fucking skipping? It's just, be- it's just because they, they, they ripped it from a CD, yeah. which, is, which is weird. I don't know how that would work. It reminds me though, because <laughs> bands did that in the nineties. One of my favorite examples of that, there's a song by the Melvins that, um, in the middle of the the CD, uh, it starts to make a skipping C- CD sound, and it goes yeah. on for about thirty seconds, and then a bass line comes up over it, and then he starts singing over it. They use the skipping CD sound as the rhythm for the track, and I'm always like, "That is fucking cool." Because the first yeah. time I heard it was on CD when I was in the '90s, and I go, "Ah, oh, shit! There's something wrong with my..." Oh wait, <laughs> <laughs> I like shit like that. Is that is that on Houdini? Is that is that the album? Yeah, it's on Houdini. I thought so. Yeah, I like Houdini. It's a damn oh, good hell, album. Hell but, yeah! Uh, but yeah, we're talking about we're talking about Green. Green. So, so uh, yeah, I I decided to listen to it on YouTube because the YouTube version is better than the one on Spotify, and uh, that is a shocking mistake that someone might have got fired for. I don't know. Or maybe I mean, reprimanded. <laughs> I mean, to, to be honest, people probably don't even know. Like, whoever... I, I'm, I, I, I don't know. This band just gets so swept under the rug that I almost feel like whoever delivered the music to Spotify, they probably don't even remember doing it. It's, it's just out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it is a pretty... I mean, it is a deep-cut album by a deep-cut band, so... I suppose that's understandable, but still sure. it sucks that it skips. Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, and then we get to Turns to Rage, super heavy. I like that track a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Face Down Heroes, there's a gnarly triplet section that really got me head banging. Uh, this album is far removed from the first two records, but they do a damn fine job at the 90s groove sound. Uh, yeah, the thing that I think is interesting about these two 90s albums is the fact that um, while stylistically you would say that they have nothing in common with the first two, but for some reason they maintain a forbidden sound. I think maybe some of that is the vocalist, Russ Anderson, because he's a guy yeah. that he didn't really change up what he was doing. He tried different things on this album, but he he's the kind of dude, I feel like he could sing over anything. Like he can make anything sound good. And so I yeah. think having him as this anchor and then just the the fact that the riffs didn't get so tied down to just one groove, there's a lot of more intricate things on this than there are in most albums that came out in 97. So it's interesting how it feels like a forbidden album, but it also doesn't <laughs> at the same yeah. time. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a strange one because you would think that like a an album from '97 would just think, ah, screw it, let's just jump onto the new metal train that's working. But this still manages to make it extremely, you know, explorative and experimental, and and it does keep it interesting. Yeah. Um, then you get uh, over the middle. It definitely has a mid to late nineties Slayer feel to it, but with Forbidden's own stamp on it, which is awesome. Like you say, I, I also agree. I think they did this sound better. Um, can of Worms, uh, frantic, angry groove metal, keeping the vibe going. I love that. Uh, that that's a great song too. Yeah. Nonsense spelt with a dollar sign at the end. <laughs> when, you're, when you're just looking at the song titles, I'd be like, this album probably sucks. <laughs> well, like, that's the thing. You could show me, like, the track listing with zero context, and I would have thought it was a hip hop album. Yeah. Because some, some of the things, fat and nonsense spelt with a dollar sign, that's just like. Yeah, that's got a, a certain vibe to it all its own. But there is but, no uh, ramping on this album. I'm happy to say, not that I have a problem with that. I just think a lot of bands threw that in to try to gain some sort of new metal points or something, but they didn't. Yeah. Uh, while we're on the subject of rapping that doesn't belong where it is, there's a Winger song from <laughs> their second album where <laughs> Kip Winger fucking raps. And it's 1990, so it's got that like old school. Hot, he like, was ahead of his time, Kip Winger. Yeah, yeah. Kip Winger invented new metal. All of those kids that <laughs> like, all of those kids that dissed Winger because of Beavis and Butthead had a lot to owe to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, then we get. Uh, oh yeah, I never said what I liked about Nonsense. It's a punky and visceral track with a groove veneer. Uh, Blank was my favorite track on the album. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a cool, psyched out, vibey, seasons in the abyss on acid kind of feel. And uh, it's also the first instance that I can recall of a big 80s snare drum being used in 1997. Like there's a certain reverb choice on that drum kit that I'm just thinking, this has, this is trans, trans, me back at least like five or seven years into the early 90s yeah because I, I, I feel like this was this album was meant to be an overall kind of experience so they tried different things on different tracks because even vocally i don't remember it might be on can of worms where russ anderson's vocals are very very different he just it's he almost has a weird shakiness to his delivery that that sounds really interesting so it's like you know a lot of bands did that in the 90s like tried to create this this piece of of, a, of an, an audio experience i guess with the yeah. technology available at the time and not that this is you know overusing any technology i mean there's samples on over the middle but other than that um that's really it yeah and then finally we got focus which is just this nasty riff uh, that got the you know the ultimate doom guy riff face out of me <laughs> i was just thinking <laughs> oh fuck i like this and it's i think it's testament to the fact that forbidden never made a bad album this just happened to be i mean i'm going to be honest here my ranking could change tomorrow uh because a lot of these albums i hold in like a very very close regard to one another and 
the gaps between some of these albums for me is incredibly thin and honestly with a repeat listen they could switch switch places but yeah i already on the bottom pick i am impressed yeah yeah i i think that that's true about all of the forbidden albums is is you can you i think everyone would that's into this band clearly has a favorite you know period of the band but um but I don't know. I feel like it's if you if you can't see the quality of all of the albums they made, then I I don't know. I feel like your 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 idea of metal is probably pretty narrow. <laughs> so yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Green, Green's a, a great album. You, are you finished with that one, sir? I am indeed. So, I have yeah. wrapped up my bottom pick. Cool. So my bottom pick uh, is not Green, but it is the album right before it, the album Distortion. Which came out, came out in 1994, which is the beginning of them taking on the groove elements. And, and, and Distortion has a very 90s-style production. <laughs> very. Um, very. And it, it's interesting because they, they were one of the bands that, from what I've heard, I think it was an interview I saw with the bass player, Matt Camacho, where he was talking about how... After they did their second album, they were meeting with major labels to to put out their next record. And this was around the time that Nirvana's Nevermind came out. And he talks about how they were meeting with all these bands and their manager was like, hey, um, hold out for a better deal. Don't take a deal just yet. And then grunge came around. And then all of a sudden, those record labels wouldn't return their phone calls. So, oh, shit. so they were one of those bands that really suffered from that. And yeah. so it took them four years from 1990 to 1994 to release another album. And all of a sudden it's not, it's on, it's now on, I don't even know the late, the label is fierce records, which I've never heard of. So, I mean, this is legit indie <laughs> here, Yeah, um, which is, which is interesting because I've never, I was never, I've been in bands, but I've never been in a band that w- could even be remotely considered successful. So I don't even I can't even imagine the the feeling it would be to feel like you're on your way up and then all of a sudden find yourself down lower than you were when you started. So that yeah. is that is insane. But I think that that being said, this album shows maybe that feeling cuz it is very dark and it's got it's it, it maintains the progressive qualities of Forbidden while taking it into the 90s metal uh, arena, if you will, um, because it still feels very technical and the, and it's expertly performed. That's the one thing I have to say about all five of their albums. It just sounds like a band of really skilled musicians. And I'm going to say this every time I talk about every album, Russ Anderson is one of my favorite metal vocalists ever. He has a thing where his voice sounds huge, and commanding and he can easily be they could have done a straightforward sort of crossover thrash style song where he's just shouting or he could do a power metal thing if he wanted to and both of them sound very convincing and he's just an amazing vocalist and no matter what forbidden did he was able to find his way and and seamlessly work his vocal style without totally changing it. And you still hear his voice very much in all of these albums. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about him a lot, I'm sure. But um, 
honestly, because of all the things I talked about with like, you know, where they were earlier on in their career and what happened with music, this, this feels like a natural progression for this particular band. Cause I think that, um, between their first and second album, there was a progression and I feel like they were a band that would not have been comfortable with doing a similar album again anyway. So mm. even if the they had been signed to a major and and made an album two years later, I don't think it would have been anything like the first two albums. I think that this is just what this band was destined to do. And um, really the only reason why this album is last for me is because I think that there are, there are a few... Uh, uninteresting moments here and there but that's that's nitpicking because there are amazing songs on here like my favorite is probably the song no reason um no reason is just one of these things that has these it has like everything that's great about this album all in one song it's got the groove riffs it's got melodic guitar parts that you wouldn't normally hear in 90s new metal kind of shit um, and it's got an amazing middle breakdown where you hear like there's a stop in the riff and you hear like they're banging on a trash can lid or something. I don't know what yeah. it was that made that sound, but that that's just that's just the song on here where I'm like, this is the best representation of of this album. Um, but really, it doesn't hold my attention the way the other four do. Um, it's still really good. I just think it's nowhere near as good as Green. Um, I think that they would improve on what they're doing here with Green. And um, I also think it's kind of a testament to how amazing their first two records were. Because you listen to this in order, it really does, you really see a shift and you see a, a divide in the two eras of the band. And it, I think the fact that they stripped it down for this, it really highlights why those first two Forbidden albums should be held up along with all of the classic thrash metal from the from the 80s and early 90s. I mean I mean I I would even hold it there are bands that get they they seem like they're the cool metal bands from that era. Like people like to talk about violence and 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 uh and I don't know uh who the fuck am I am I thinking of? Um Shit, I don't know. I can't think of another one right now. <laughs> there, there, my brain just—I'm so—I'm so into the Forbidden thing right now. But there were other bands that seem like they're the cool ones to talk about. But I think Forbidden's albums are way better than any of those bands. And um, so, the fact that this one is my last uh, in the list—it—it it, doesn't—it mean a lot. It's still—it's still better than I think most music that came out in 1994. It's—it's uh, it's up there. Um, my only gripes aside from just a couple of moments where I lose interest is uh the bass guitar is too low but that is yeah. a 90s production issue where all of a sudden like everything got squeezed to where the guitars need to be really loud but also there's no reverb on the guitars and then the bass needs to be down kind of low I guess because the guitars themselves they crank up the bass on the guitars and it just sounds weird. It's a sound that I've never been into and I'm glad isn't really done anymore. But, <laughs> um, and then last but not least, the inclusion of their cover of 21st century schizoid man is unnecessary. Like <laughs> there's better covers of this song. They're perfectly capable of pulling off this song. But at that point in the album, I'm like, this album's already long enough. 
I realize you're filling out a CD, but you don't need to do a cover, an 11 minute cover of, <laughs> of a King Crimson song that I think is actually shorter than. I, th- I think it's it's got a bonus track after some. Oh, silence. you're right. That's... You're right. It does. It does. Yeah. So it's still it's still pretty long, but I don't know. I think they could have just left that out. But um, once again. The fact that I love this band so much, this is that's a bunch of nitpicking right there because Distortion is a fucking great album. And it's a great example of the kind of metal that was going on in 94, in my opinion. So, um, But they did way better albums, and so uh, that's why it's at my number five. I think the uh, cover of 21st Century Schizoid Man is on a list of like the top 10 covers of 21st century <laughs> schizoid man, because there's that many covers of it. Yeah. It warranted a list. But, yeah. Uh, I think Voivod did one and yeah, there's, there's, there's a, there's, it seems like there's a lot. I mean, and I get it because that's a really great song. That's one of those songs that if you're, if you, if you get confident in your guitar playing, then of course you want to cover a song like that. And so yeah, um, it seems it, I get it, but once again, they could have they could have left it off. Cool. So uh, that brings me to my number four. Yep. Cool. Uh, so for my number four, uh, after some thought and deliberation, I decided to go for Omega Wave as my number four pick. Mm-hmm. The uh, most recent Forbidden album from 2010. And uh, yeah. It actually came out the same year I uh, became a metal fan. Nice. So uh, it took me ten years to find it, but uh, it's um, I'm good. I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Alpha Century, big epic intro track. I really like how this starts. I love where it's going. Like almost as if to say, you know, we're back and we're gonna hit you with something. Yeah. But we're gonna tease you a little bit first we're gonna do this big intro thing like we did on uh twisted into form it's it's but, it's a good thing it pays off too because some bands do that i hate it i hate intros because most of the time it's like get ready and then the next song is kind of like oh okay <laughs> yeah. but in this case that doesn't happen yeah and especially since it's a comeback album and they went back to well to an extent they went back to the thrash thing yeah it, once Forsaken at the Gates kicks in, it's, oh shit, they're a thrash band again. And it's furious as hell. Uh, then, pretty much immediately after it, you get Overthrow, which has mm, yeah. echoes echoes of the groove thing they explored in the 90s. So that kind of lets you know, hey, we've made some thrash stuff, but we're not abandoning the journey that we've been on completely. Yeah. It's It's a great marriage of the two eras of the band. Yeah, it's almost as if they took all four albums and just said, hey, you're all one thing now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much this album because it it fuses all their eras to some extent together. And you get Adapt or Die, which is this thrashing, uh, modern-edged, little bit of Judas Priest influence in there. But uh, yeah, it is... It's a really cool album because it it's almost like a career retrospective, and they've they've plucked all of the things they liked out of each of their albums and put them in a blender. And this is the uh, this is the thrash metal groove smoothie that you get at the end. <laughs> yeah, the smoothie analogy. <laughs> yeah, we haven't done the pizza analogy in a while, so maybe we should just move over to smoothies now. 
Oh yeah, we're on a bit of a health kick at the minute. We've, uh, <laughs> we had too much pizza. <laughs> you can never have uh, too much pizza. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> so we get a uh, swine. Uh, this is my favorite track so far. Real vibey, yeah, that, groovy that kind of thing. Yeah, fucking loved that one. And then you get chatter, which is this spooky interlude. Uh, and then you get dragging my casket, which is borderline melodic death metal at points and then borderline power metal at others. It's a really interesting song because it's like it's like two extremes of the band's sound that you don't think of but are always subconsciously aware of. Like It's like you said, he could do real direct nasty yelling stuff or he could do a power metal thing and get away with it. Yeah. And this track here is like kind of the embodiment of that. Um, Hope Gnosis, reminiscent of their 90s work, uh, Immortal Wounds, laid back into that groove, you know, that out the out there. Sorry, my words, oh. my words got a little <laughs> crossed over there. Blah, blah, blah. But uh, this, like I say, it was like it's like a career retrospective. Uh, Behind the Mask, now, Behind the Mask has a little bit of System of a Down in it, I could hear. Just a just a little bit of that like yeah. kind of influence in there, but combined with uh, Forbidden's brand of groovy thrash, uh, Inhuman Race, this heavy plodder of a song, and then finally you get the title track Omega Wave, which is just this awesome thrash track that just tears off your face to finish the record and. It was at this point in the album that I realized, you know, it's an hour long. It's quite a long album. Yeah. Uh, but they managed to appropriately fit everything that makes up what their band is, or sadly was in this case. Um, it's it, it's a really impressive comeback for a, yeah. for a band. And I and I um, when you when you mention because I Omega Wave is just a motherfucker of a song. I love that yeah. song so much. And and when I when I knew that you were going into listening to these albums and you were doing it in order, I'm like, just the idea of you starting your journey with Chalice of Blood and then ending it with Omega Wave. I'm just like, this is. I want to do that all again. I want to just wipe my memory <laughs> and go through. Yeah. Because Omega Wave is just such a good song. It's so. It's got so many great parts, and then that, it doesn't even need the killer middle section that it has. It's just <laughs> they just throw that in because they have more cool shit to do. But um, yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting song. The whole discography is bookended by two phenomenal songs. Yeah, and you know what? What a what a way to go out if this is their final album. Which is is likely. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it doesn't look like there's any plans, but you never know. I never say never. Yeah, Let, let's let's hope they come back. Yeah. Uh, but well, uh, well, we'll have to see. But apparently, you know, it's it's from what I've read and heard in interviews, there not all of their hearts were in it. Um, so right. we're probably just left with these albums, but that's fine. But, um, but you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and leap off of you because my number four is also a mega wave. And, um, I really don't have a lot to add. I I'm sure I can waste a few minutes here talking about <laughs> what I love about this album. But like we said before, the, it, it starts off really strong and this was a 13 year gap 
between Green and this album, where the band had had broken up and then gotten back together. And this is three of the original members on this album. Russ Anderson, Craig Lo Locierco. Lo, Lo, Fuck, I can't. I just, I'm, <laughs> I'm an American, okay? His name's <laughs> Craig something. And then Matt Camacho on bass. But um, the whole band they have in this album is just, they're just so good. And, and this is, to me, this is up there when it comes to old school bands doing albums in the 2000s. This is up there with one of my favorites. Like it is, it, it's whenever some old school band says, hey, we're coming back. Are you excited? I'll be like, well, uh, th- let's just see. <laughs> because, you know, there's, there, there for every Omega Wave, there's a, I, I can't think of an example, but there's a lot of these comebacks <laughs> that are kind of like, oh, okay, I guess. <laughs> and um, the thing that's great about this comeback is that unlike a lot of bands, Forbidden didn't get wrapped up in trying to prove that they were thrash metal again. Like some bands do that, like even bands that aren't even making a comeback bands that just sort of made their way into the two thousands. I'm not going to name any names overkill, but they just try (laughs) too hard to constantly be the same thing all the time. And I don't understand that because that is not what made earlier albums by a lot of these bands cool. Um, and, and, And so they didn't do that. They continued what they had already been doing where they, they they fit into a genre. You could easily call this a thrash metal album, but as you're listening to it, you'll find all these parts where you go, well, that's not a thrash metal part. That is definitely not thrash. That's And that's what Forbidden always did. They didn't play by the rules. They, they came out of the Bay Area thrash scene, but they were already from album one doing their own thing, and they just continued to do it. They came back and did it again. And I don't know. I feel like a lot of the uh, the the whatever you call it, the praise should be heaped upon Craig last name. I can't pronounce because I think he does the, the majority of the music writing. And I feel like he's one of those guys, like he's a James Hetfield where he just has riffs in his head, ready to come out anytime somebody needs him. But there's such a great energy on this album. And, and, you know, 13 years later, Russ Anderson still sounds amazing. And we talked about Swine. Swine is like my favorite song on the album, probably next to Omega Wave. Um, it's just a killer sort of slow tempo jam, which I like that. I want bands to do that. I if you can yeah. play if you can play really fast, sure, show me that on a few songs and blow my mind. But don't bore the fuck out of me by just keeping your foot on the gas the whole goddamn time. So yeah. but I I also think that this is their most melodic album. Like there's a lot more gr- sort of grand um, uh, sections where where Russ really does kind of a soaring singing vocal over things, whereas a lot of the first four albums, it seemed like there was a lot more aggression, and this one has some of that. But I feel like there's a lot of really big vocal melody parts, and and even in the guitars, I think there's a lot more or more melodic shit going on here. Um, but so why is it at number four? Uh, it's too long in my opinion. I don't know what songs would be cut. There's a couple that in the middle that aren't as great to me. 
I really think this song has an amazing first half and then the last couple tracks are, are amazing. So maybe they could have left one or two out of there. But the fact that it took them 10 years to make this album or 13 years to make this album and we haven't had one in 10 years, it, all of a sudden that doesn't matter anymore. It's like, oh, we just have extra forbidden songs now. It's like, you know, I, yeah. I, 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 I think the album is too long as an album, but as a forbidden fan, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with with the link of it now. Um, yeah. And uh yeah, it's it's one of those albums that just shows how great a band is. Like if you can if you can not only have a huge gap in in between albums, but also coming back as an older band and still produce this this level of quality of music writing and performance wise. I mean, that's that alone puts this band above a lot of other bands. And, um, yeah, if this is their last album, then that's great. Cause we never have to talk about a bad forbidden album. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that's my, that's my number four Omega wave. Cool. So for my number three, I've gone for 1994's distortion. All right. So right off the bat, first track title track distortion i can already hear a lot of death influence as in the band especially in the drums you know those kind of like the double kicks with like the syncopated uh bells and cymbals and stuff like ting to ting like kind of things yeah there's a there's a real groove and heaviness to to this album and like you said it's very dark uh then you get uh, the kind of it's almost like a, a a call to arms for groove metal uh, with track two uh, hypnotized by the rhythm because there is a real rhythmic focus not only on this song but the whole album. You know that the focus in the nineties went from oh you can play a really fast solo. I'll uh, check this out. I've gone to drop A. And I'm just going to play this morbidly obese riff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is, that's, that's just the shift that happened in the 90s. You know, it, it was it, low end became a big focus. And uh, having a bouncy, danceable riff is always going to win you points in the groove camp. And I, I even heard some of the uh, Machine Head-esque harmonics in there as well. You know, the natural harm harmonics in there. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, then we get to track three, uh, Rape. Uh, it took me a second to figure out where the groove was going on this one, but that's a testament to how insanely progressive they could be, even when playing a style that was something that was more stripped back. Mm -hmm. And then the riff comes in and I'm just living for it. You know, this album, regardless of the placing on this list, is impossible not to headbang to because it is just one of those primal gets under your skin. You can't stop yourself from kind of moving because it's it's just such a it really taps into into something subconscious. And I feel like that is that is the magic of groove metal. <laughs> it's just yeah. the ability, the ability done, to make you move. When, when, yeah. When it's done correctly, it, 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 it hits something in your psyche or in your, almost like it's in your spine. It hits something yeah. like in the, whatever, like shoots the, 
the 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 bolts of electricity or whatever that go to your brain or whatever like it just hits something in there and it makes your body like want to move if you do it yeah. right you know it's like what one of my favorite uh moments in that uh metal headbangers journey um documentary series by sam dunn yeah uh that the the part where they interview phil anselmo about the money riff uh, <laughs> why not yeah. make the whole damn song the money riff and it just i <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and i just i just as soon as i noticed that i noticed that in every groove song from that point in i was just like i've heard stuff like this in thrash but thrash bands were always really focused on the speed well with thrash with thrash it would have been the mosh part yeah so the groove metal was doing a mosh song all the way through (laughs) they did a mosh album it's just (laughs) um uh you get no reason as as a big groove metal fan i i appreciate when a band makes me move and i don't notice it and it's just not to mention the cool lead guitar and acoustic stuff going on with the insanely good drumming and the breakdown in no reason was sick. Uh, Feed the hand, just a groovy, tasty, heavy song. Uh, Wake up as far as thrash bands doing groove metal goes. It's, it's damn fine. And I love those um, sliding down parts in the pre-chorus, the kind of bendy bits that the kind of stuff yeah. i love i love guitars like that i, I love i love bendy riffs yeah I, I, it's it you it, it makes me happy i don't i don't know oh, which which pantera song is it now i'm thinking of it because i is it pantera it's like i love that song <laughs> that's on, that's i think that's on far beyond driven i can't remember what song is that shedding skin that that happens in I don't know, but that, oh. I know what you're talking about. That's that. I love that riff. I yeah. for, for some reason, my brain immediately goes to the the song. We're not talking about this band right now, but the song with the bendy riff that I feel like they made it just for me because they made most of the song the bendy riff is the song <laughs> "Check Check My Brain" by uh, by oh, Alice in Chains, yeah. where the whole fucking riff. <laughs> It's just, and it doesn't, it goes, it sounds so weird. You listen to that song in headphones and it makes me feel like I'm stoned. Yes. <laughs> so it's almost like that song came out and I was like, these guys have been listening to me. I think they knew that I wanted this. It's funny. It's funny. You should say you'd stoned because when I hear the song stone by Alice in Chains from like a similar kind of era, but one album later, the first time I heard the song stone, I thought, this is one of the heaviest fucking things I've ever heard. Yeah. Just that. That has a little bit of it too. We, we yeah. you know what? We should talk about Alice in Chains sometime soon. Yeah. Hint, hint, yeah. Hint. Maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> Hintity hint hint. <laughs> but today we're talking about forbidden. Cool. Uh, yeah. Mind's eye spelt minds with an apostrophe S and then I is in the letter I. They do a lot of funny spelling stuff during this era. Yeah, that's that is that is almost punishable. That song title. <laughs> Mine's I get it. Okay, we get it. But it doesn't matter because when you say it live, when you're about to play the song, you can't go. This song is called Mine's I. The letter I in parentheses. Let's go. 
It's just mind's eye. Nobody can hear that. Yeah. Uh, it, that being said, it's really vibey and psychedelic, and yeah. I love yeah. that shit. I I love when the '90s bands would do real vibey, psych psyched out stuff. Um, then you get all that is. You can definitely hear the uh, '90s influence on this one. Absolutely drenched in that kind of vibe. Uh, Undertaker, heavy and doomy, keeping the focus firmly rooted in groove over speed. And then you get 21st Century Schizoid Man, which is, you know, like I said, one of many covers of the song. Uh, this one, though, opting to doom it the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember hearing the original King Crimson version of the song back in 2010 on Guitar Hero 5 at a oh. friend's house. And I didn't like it initially, but 11-year-old me just wasn't ready for prog to... Br- to blow my mind yet i still had to i had to be eased into music before i understood prog yeah but uh, it's 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 one of those songs that i liked i like it so much because i don't like a lot of king crimson i'm not a king crimson fan and so most of the time prog rock aside from a handful of bands gets very boring to me but the reason why i think a lot of people still dig this song so much is because it has this real groovy riff it starts off with and then in the the king crimson version there's like horns on it and shit yeah but then you get to the middle where it's all of a sudden switches up to that really busy like and then it does the little stops with that it's like it's one of the first times i think i heard a song where i went how did what how did they do they do how do they know when to stop and when to start and what? <laughs> like, you know, so I get why people love it because it's got all of those things all in one song and it's pretty rad. Yeah. But uh, like, like I say, it's a, it's a damn fine groove metal album. And uh, yeah, I really I enjoyed this one. And it's, it's so. interesting because we're even, we're kind of on the same wavelength with our, with our, uh, our ranking so far because um my number three is the album green from 1997 so we're we're, we we like swapped our groovy albums with each other and so (laughs) it's interesting because now we know our top two are both going to be the the late 80s early i guess it's you know 88 and 90 albums which you know that'll be interesting to talk about but anyway uh, that's one of the things when i when we talked about doing this band is that i knew you and I have have the the a lot of a lot of like if we're doing a Venn diagram, our circles cross over most of the circle. Like I think it's yeah. just a little bit of the circle on the outside where you and I don't meet. And Forbidden seems like a band that fits right in the middle of that circle with the both dead of center. Us. So um, so I was real excited, and so this was the album where I go, he's gonna fucking love this because I. Unlike Distortion, where Distortion, I feel like it shows a little bit of its, we're, we're doing a little bit of what's going on in the 90s, Green to me doesn't sound like that. It has sounds that come from what was going on in the 90s, but everything, no song sounds like another song, and no song goes the place you think the song is going to go, and they don't rely on the same kind of elements that a lot of other bands were doing in 1997. There's a lot of groove on it for sure, but 
it's it's uh it's like a 90s sound but it embraces odd song structures and odd time signatures and like discordant guitar parts it it's it it puts all of these things into this you know smoothie <laughs> that, that I don't think it sounds like any other band in 1997 but at the same time it sounds very much at home in 1997 and um I just think that these guys were able to adapt to whatever was going on in metal and still make it their own everybody in the band um and so I, I think this is the same lineup as distortion all all together i believe it's all the same dudes um but i think it's more interesting than most of the metal that was happening in 97 like just me thinking off the top of my head what was going on in metal in 97 nothing pops in like i can't think of a great 1997 metal album i i can't think of one I, I can maybe th- I can maybe think of a couple, but it's it's really it's it's really hard for me because, generally speaking, I'm not like a a late nineties, uh, frequenter so, so yeah. to say. I don't tend to hang out in the late nineties musically very often, but I I can think of a few. One that stands out to me is the more things change by Machine Head, but aside from that, yeah, there's it's a really it credit where it's due it's a very honest album because i don't feel like it's ripping anything off i feel like they just took influence from what was going on but stamped the forbidden vibe on it yeah and i and i think that this album is just one badass moment after another it 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 you know it's uh it it just I don't know to me it never gets boring and it, I, I, once again I have to give props to Russ Anderson because he really ups his game in my opinion because he he still delivers the things that you're no you know he's capable of doing but also there's other parts where he he's clearly trying something a little different but it doesn't sound it just sounds natural he sounds like a guy that just knows how to sing like you could bring him into a room give him any piece of paper with any song on it and be like, do this. And he would just nail it. Yeah. Um, so the different approaches and, and the, and the unique song structures and riffs just make the song like totally, well, make the album totally unique. And, um, yeah. So, um, it, it's one of those ones where I, when I went back to listen to it and I thought, as I was listening to it, I'm like, this might end up being my number two. I don't really know. Wow. And inevitably it didn't become my number two. And, um, I had to nitpick and I guess the last couple tracks aren't as great as the rest of the album, but that's just me trying to find a way to order these fucking things. Because I think <laughs> green, I think green is, is amazing. And it is, it, it's, it, it hurts me even more because people, already don't talk about the classic forbidden albums enough, but this is one that I feel like it's just forgotten about. Like it's like, even when you go to the Wikipedia, the description of it just says the fourth studio album by American thrash metal band forbidden. That is it. That's all it says. 
And, it feels forgotten. And it sucks because a lot of these albums are the ones that I want to know all about. Like, I'm so nerdy. I want somebody to do the research or interview the band, and I want to just put together a book of, like, all these sort of forgotten albums and what went into making them, the mindset of the band, what was going on in music at the time. Because it's, it, it's all so interesting to me, especially when you're able to nail it with a really fucking great album. And, and this... I mean, I feel like metal in general from the mid nineties to fuck, I don't know, maybe the maybe 2005, like, I feel like there was a lot of uncertainty with, with metal because metal wasn't, wasn't the big thing it was anymore. And I think everyone was kind of hurting from that. And then eventually in the two thousands, I think everybody came out the other end thinking, all right, well now we're, we're going underground again. And the underground became big again. Um, but not not as big as it was, and so just just the fact that this album came out of that time period and it sounds so inspired, it just makes it one that I want to sing the praises of all the fucking time, and that's at my number three, Green. Awesome. Okay, so that brings us to our top two albums. Holy shit! Well, we both know that it's between two albums for the both of us. Yeah. But the question is, who is going to take the top spot? That that is that's going to be a. It, it I I always like when you and I match up with our last yeah. two because it's always kind of like, who's going to pick what? Um, but uh, at, this was hard for me because. Yeah, I agree. Very hard. The first two albums bring a consistency but a uniqueness to each one. The first one being the rawer, more thrashy affair and uh, twisted into form being the more technical and tighter album. But, you know, it, I had to put one at, at number two. Unfortunately. So after much thought and and very hard thinking, Mm. I went for Forbidden Evil as my number two. All right. The debut. And I knew, because I did this fully chronologically, and I'd never heard any Forbidden up until we did this, uh, did research for this episode. Yeah. My introduction to this whole thing was Chalice of Fucking Blood. <laughs> what an amazing fucking song that was. You know, yeah. you know, that's the uh, iconic, Welcome to the Church of Lies! Yeah, J- just the, the one-two punch of Chalice of Blood into Off the Edge. Oh my like God. Both of those songs, it's just blowing your wad immediately on this <laughs> fucking album. It's, it's so good. Like, Off the Edge is just such a frantic, violent, psychotic assault of a song. Uh, mm. You get Through the Eyes of Glass... Shows off a slightly more melodic take while retaining the brutality of the previous tracks. Really shows off the vocals, too. Uh, and then we get the title track, Forbidden Evil. Uh, God damn, this is fucking epic. Like, uh, I which, actually, was, which, which if, if you didn't know, was the band's original name. Forbidden Evil was originally the band's name, and then they just became Forbidden. But they named their album Forbidden Evil. That's, 
It's like a, it's like Testament. Yeah, it's, it's, exact, it's exactly the same as what happened with Testament. I just thought of yeah. that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the uh, title track, you know, it's, I actually wrote, you know, I write my notes as I uh, listen to the album and I write exactly what I'm thinking in my head and I've just got, fuck me sideways. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can hear both priest and maiden influence but with a heavy thrash paint job and it good oh man i i have my mind blown by both of these records uh yeah and it's since you're since you're about halfway through it's it's important to point out that the the drummer on these first two albums was none other than paul bostoff who would end up being in slayer and and other bands yeah but um this was the he's the drummer on these first two albums. Stellar, stellar musicianship all, all yeah. round. Uh, you know, March into Fire. So far, this album has consistently melted my face. You know, I'll definitely be buying a physical copy of this bad boy. Um, yeah. Feel no pain. Any metal song that starts with the sounds of war already sets an excellent tone <laughs> for the violence that waits around the corner because it, it is just such a visceral, unrelenting album. And it, it's always interesting to me how bands, you because you, you, know, you know that it was just great minds thinking alike because they came out the same year, but like that... And then Metallica with one yeah. was also in 88 with the war sounds at the beginning. And I know it's not a big stretch to put that before a metal song, but that's not the only time it happens. There are other cases of two bands putting out an album the same year and having a similar idea. It's almost like it's in the air. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever these dudes or whatever drugs these dudes were on, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was giving them the same ideas. But I don't know. I like little things like that. Hell yeah. Um, as good as dead is tight, virtuosic and controlled yet chaotic and nasty, which is forbidden pretty much summed up, you know, it's controlled, but chomping at the bit to just, just, it's so fucking nasty. Um, and then finally follow me building up intensity with a, a bit of a proggy intro before going into this evil menacing thrash song and you know this album has just it, it's so raw but produced exactly how it needed to sound it's big it's it's imposing and it's just angry and hungry and it and it really shows that i agree this band deserves way way more recognition yeah especially today because like god what an awesome album and that's not even the top pick for me so uh, yeah yeah um and, and are you done here i am i am done with forbidden evil well we're not done with forbidden evil because it is also my number two hey uh, which which was it was rough uh because the these two albums they switched places quite a bit yeah um and so at the end of the day, this one, I guess because it's a little bit, has a little more of a rough edge to it, and the one we'll talk about later doesn't really have that. Um, but also, I think that that's kind of a great quality of this album. This sounds like a young, hun hungry band 
who had so much aggression and energy in them, but at the same time were just already killer musicians and songwriters. There's the songwriting on this album is far beyond most bands at 1988 and at album number one. Yeah. Um, there's, there are things on this album that you would later hear bands trying to do in 1990 and 91. Like they were already doing it. And it's, I don't even know. It's, it's interesting because I mean, I realized that Rob Flynn was involved and he co-wrote, I don't know, three or four of the songs, something like that. But, um, it's, uh, I, I don't really, I don't know how much stock to put in Rob Flynn being involved in bands that are good because I don't really like Machine Head and Machine Head has done more bad music than they have good music. Ooh. And it's, I mean, they have. And so I don't really know how much to trust that he was the guy that, that boosted this band on their way. It's, you know, same thing with violence. I'm like, how much was Rob Flynn really, really, uh, uh, to, to blame for the greatness of that band? Cause He's, you know, not involved with that band now. But um, anyway, that's just me going off on a tangent because <laughs> I I, uh, I think that these guys just fucking nailed it with a first album. And it's just, like we said before, Chalice of Blood is already a an, an amazingly strong song. And then it's just followed up by Off the Edge that I it, it's it's, you know, if we did a, a top 10 you know, one, two punch of an album at the beginning that this would be up there for me. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I like a lot about, we've talked about this with forbidden and it's apparent even on their first album is that they fit in very well with thrash metal, but they weren't confined to the same boundaries that a lot of other bands seem to be confined. Mm. A lot of bands seem to just have, this narrow road they were all going down. And even if they fucking killed at doing what they were doing, there wasn't a lot of wiggle room. Whereas forbidden seemed never, never afraid to take whatever kind of little turn they wanted to take. And it's just, it's such like a, uh, it's like an aggression plus progression is, is this album. It's, it's, uh, it's, I feel like it's very unique. And it's and it's unpredictable, but I think every every forbidden album has a lot of unpredictable moments on it. And um yeah, I really do think that this album becomes number two. Uh, it's hard it's hard to explain. I mm. think it comes down to a matter of taste, I think. Because this one feels more like these guys had these songs in them and, and they had included all these elements of all of this music that they loved, all of these different metal subgenres. You can hear little bits in there. And it's almost like these songs were so ready to be out there. They sort of just leap out of the band and there's an urgency and a almost like it's untamed. Yeah. And, and, and so I like it more when the band's, Band a band seems like they've really uh, spent time with the songs, kind of shaping them into better versions of what they initially are. This just feels like this is initially how these songs came out, and they just happen to be fucking amazing. And so, I always, as much as I love that sort of young, hungry energy, 
I really do like it when a band puts out a second album and there's such a confidence and there's such a clear uh, direction and and uh, idea of what they want to do that they seem, it almost seems effortless in, yeah. in what they're doing. And so this one, with all of its twists and turns and complicated riffs and and amazing vocals from Russ Anderson, I feel like they hone it all in and get better on the next album we're going to talk about. But Forbidden Evil is one of those albums. It's in my top 10 thrash metal albums ever made. Yeah. And it is, it is ridiculous. It's, it hurts to put it at number two, but here it is. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that, all I got to say. That's the thing, though, with this discography is that none of the albums, to me, drop anywhere lower than great. You know, yeah, I consider all fi- all five of these great, with the two at the top being phenomenal. Like, yeah, absolutely unparalleled. And I suppose with that. That leads us into both of our number one. Number ones. Which is Twisted Into Form. From 1990. Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, obviously 1990 is still kind of the 80s, really. It's still got the 80s feel to it. it. It's not like it got to New Year's. 1989 <laughs> and they decided oh hey no more reverb it, it did take a few years for that kind of production to fall out of they, favor no it, it was it wasn't like they were having a big party with their 80s hair bands and all of a sudden a guy with a with a with a with a sweatshirt and some and a flannel yeah. <laughs> comes walking in the door sorry guys party's over <laughs> you had your decade move over but uh yeah it's it's a fucking phenomenal phenomenal album um parting of the ways you get this pretty acoustic intro something many thrash bands do to show that they can do more than go just really fast all the time and it really sets an evolved tone for the record because the first album just comes straight in with whereas this is this completely opposite end of the spectrum neoclassical acoustic thing which leads directly into infinite and coming right off of the bat this already feels tighter more technical as a result the riffs are fucking rad um and every choice in this song is exactly what it needs and it's just this it it almost feels like if and justice for all was produced right at times because <laughs> <laughs> it's like that kind of technical thrash with just enough beef for to to give it that real punch um out of body out of mind excellent mm-hmm. thrash song uh, step by step excellent thrash song with cool interesting turns uh yeah Twisted into form, slower yet incredibly impressive track. Love the vocals. They're like a, he is like a mix of Rob Halford and Bruce Dickinson. I feel sometimes with a kind of gritty thrash overtone, but 
God damn. Like this. He, he hits, he hits that middle point. Like I, like I, I always try to explain what I like out of a thrash metal vocalist, because I don't necessarily just want them to shout all the time, but I also don't want them to be ah! yeah. you know, all the fucking time either. I like that thing that's right somewhere in the middle, yeah. which is why I like, you know, Joey Belladonna because Joey Belladonna could do, yeah. he does more things where it's more kind of shouting in key, but he also sings. And then yeah. Russ Anderson, fucking uh, Phil Rind from Sacred Reich. Like they all have that quality where, Mm. They they fit right in the middle and 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 they can do either one of those styles. And well, I guess Phil probably doesn't do the high, never did the high thing, but he could still <laughs> sing. But I don't know. I just love that. I think that it's it's all of my favorite thrash bands have that yeah. middle ground quality in the vocals. It's very much like singing like this and then leading into a rah! and then just, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's pretty much that. And I love vocalists that can pull off that, you know, really sinister thing here and then just operatic as hell. And it's yeah, so it's so cool to see someone just absolutely snarling and then all of a sudden bust out this bellowing scream. And I'm like sat there thinking, God, just there are some people in life that are just genuinely impressive you know, <laughs> it's yeah, like you look I at agree. these people and you think, and, and a lot of them are in this band. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got R.I.P. It really shows off melody and speed simultaneously. Incredibly intense, and it's a big ass sprawling track. Uh, then you get Spiral Depression, another acoustic and melodic interlude, and a damn cool one at that. Uh, Tossed away feels very, very testament to me that track yeah gives I'd, off i'd go with that a big testament vibes and then finally one foot in hell this laid back nasty groove love it i was worried actually that this album wouldn't live up to its predecessor and that my ranking would just be me saying the order of the albums in reverse <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. i was pleasantly surprised that despite their short discography they really took me on a journey and every single one of their albums is both unique and consistent because it still has yeah. the forbidden vibe to it i it, you said a couple really important things the, the the journey is very important i've said this a lot where i like bands that take me on a journey with their discography i don't want to hear different versions of the same thing 10 times. Yeah. And also earlier you said the word evolve. And I think that's perfect. I think that's a word I was searching for and it didn't come into my brain because between forbidden evil and twisted into form there, there is an evolution and that's what I love. My number one obviously is also twisted into form. Yeah. And, um, that's, that's one of the big reasons because kill them all into ride the lightning major evolution and i love ride the lightning all the great bands their second albums even if they killed it with the first album the second album is an evolution whether or not we end up thinking it's as good as the first album is depending on the group but all of the best bands give you something different the second time around yeah if you it's it especially when you get into aid the 80s 
with 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 the 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 80s metal bands thrash metal into what happened in the early 90s i think a lot of bands i i think that there was almost a a respect for the fans and the audience that was different back then yeah because i feel like respect for your audience now is supposed to be you better give us the same the same exact thing again or we're gonna get real mad at you for not being thrash enough or or whatever whereas it almost seemed like back then they were treating us like we were smarter and more we had more of a refined taste which i feel like people like you and me we do i don't i don't think i'm being boastful when i say that i i I think that i would consider us connoisseurs of this subject (laughs) (laughs) i would never use that word but i'll take it um but so I, I, that's what I expect from a band. If you, if you are, are an amazing band, don't give me the same shit again, even if it's great, because it's at the end of the day, it's not going to be as satisfying. And so Twisted Into Form is this thing where they, it's a cleaner, more progressive affair than Forbidden Evil, but it's still got such a precision and aggression in the performances um, last album with Paul Bostaff on uh, drums before he, he left. He, he joined Slayer, obviously, as everybody knows, after this. Yeah. Um, when they did... Well, I guess it was a few years before they did Divine Intervention. It's, fun- but, it's um, funny, actually, because if you, if you look at the uh, release years for Slayer, 88, 90, 94, that's all, that's all the same. They, they had yeah. their albums at the same years that's true they did um and re- really i mean in 88 it seemed like between 88 and not 88 89 90 it seemed like that was a time period where a lot of these bands were putting out what would be considered their progressive albums like you had injustice for all yep um i i always mention sacred right because they're one of my favorites but with the american way that's a very progressive album great album um uh, Flotsam and Jetsam got way more progressive around this point. Like you, you, you name it. If if they were a killer band, like some didn't. I guess Testament really didn't do that, and Exodus didn't do that. Um, but some people who are fans of those bands think that that's what makes them great is that they didn't progress. But um, I guess they progressed in their own way. But um, these are these are more interesting albums to me. And Twisted into Form is just a super entertaining album. It never gets boring. It's just, um, the, the part, the infinite into out of body, out of mind. That's another good, like one, two punch of this album. Both those songs are so fucking good. And I really do think that overall, even though there's less speed on this album, it, there's, it, there's still so many heavy riffs and I like the fact too that if you go, we go back to to Forbidden Evil for a second. They were doing more groovy type stuff on that album already. Yeah. When I think a lot of bands weren't doing that, and they kind of continued that onto this one. Now, obviously, it doesn't get groove to the point we would get with Distortion, but it's definitely got those moments on there. It's got a, it's got money riffs, <laughs> as, <laughs> as Phil would say. Um, but I think the uh, a good a good. Uh, characteristic of this album is that it feels like the songs have more room to breathe and you're able to sort of hear it, there's a maturity you can hear all of the how great everyone's performances are everything everyone is just bringing their a game and you're able to pick all of that out 
on this album. I guess some of that has to do with the production also. But um, just it, this ends up number one because it's a great example of a great band putting out an even better album than their first amazing album. And so I don't really know what else to say about it. It's just, uh, it's a, it's an album that between Forbidden Evil and Twisted Into Form, these are the two albums that make it unfathomable, unfathomable to use a really big word (laughs) that these guys aren't talked about. They should be talked about just these two albums alone should be talked about more than most thrash bands. Like I, like I, like, like I, I can understand why a band like this wasn't in the big four because they didn't have the longevity and the album sales and the, the, the global reach that those four bands did. But I, but I think that I, I, I don't know. I really, I just think that there's a level of quality and originality to these albums that it, they should be albums that everybody talks about. When any, when anyone mentions thrash metal, one of these two first albums should be one of the ones that you're talking about because it's, it's that because thrash metal wasn't just one, you know, one note. Yeah, they're 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 well, it is now, but <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't then, and this is, I think, the best example of that progressive side of thrash metal. I don't think it got much better than this. There were other great bands doing progressive style thrash, but I don't think anyone did it better than this. So, there you go. Awesome. So yeah, that is. Uh... Our rankings for the band Forbidden. Forbidden. If if there are any of you out there who um, aren't aware of this band and you're into '80s thrash metal and that whole that whole sort of time period of what was going on musically, I I think that this is a piece of the puzzle that you were missing. Yeah, and I definitely yeah. was. Yeah, and um, I like that we uh, tackled this a lesser known band with a smaller discography and we i guess the only other band that I, w- you would equate with smaller and and less known would be we did ugly kid joe which is like yeah it's like the opposite side of the of the metal world from forbidden <laughs> i think but um as much as as much as it was fun to dig into a band like judas priest with all of this shit yeah um it's it's it almost seems more rewarding to talk about a band that you know there aren't already a hundred videos and podcasts out there talking <laughs> about them. You know, it's like, I feel yeah. like we're doing a, we're, we're, we're providing a service. Yeah. We're, we're, we're being, we're being helpful to the metal community here. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. It's, um, it feels good to, to talk about bands that, you know, you asked if you, you know, asked, a casual listener, they probably wouldn't have any clue who Forbidden was. So getting to talk about a band like this is really fun because not only does it introduce me to new music, but it, it adds to my knowledge too. And, uh, there might be a forbidden episode of thrash metal history down the line. Ooh, that would be really cool. I'm, I'm really going to start putting my focus towards that kind of stuff because I find that, over time, those are the videos on my channel that uh, tend to do the best. So, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, because I think that there's always people discovering these bands, even even the really big bands. Like you if you like you're gonna be doing Black Sabbath, correct? Yep. Like like I feel like that's a band that every year there are kids discovering Black Sabbath. Yeah. And so I, I think that's evergreen talking about groups like that. I, I don't I'm I feel very happy that I, I will be dead before bands like that are forgotten about. <laughs> you know? Because you know, if we if we survive as a human race for another million years, eventually nobody's going to talk about this music that we're talking about. Like it's going to be, it'll be a completely fringe, forgotten fringe niche group. Like it'll be like archaeology and shit. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be it'll be like how bizarre would that be? Yeah. To but I don't want to live in that world. So <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. I'll 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 hang out here for another thirty, maybe forty years if I'm lucky, and then I'll <laughs> I'll pe- I'll peace out and uh, leave leave the Leave the mess to everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's that's it for this uh, episode of Cranked and Ranked. Um, thanks for listening, um, Eddie. Do you have any parting words for this for this episode? Uh, anybody that watches uh, me on my channel, uh, I will be shooting the Black Sabbath history soon. Uh, the main reason I can't go there right now is. As a result of complications with the coronavirus, uh, I've not got it. Don't worry. My grandparents haven't got it. <laughs> but uh, my studio isn't my grandparents' house. That's where my drum kit and uh, uh, green screen and everything is. It's kind of built as an extension onto their house. Um, but yeah, I've got another week to wait from seeing someone from a different area Um so I've decided to quarantine for a while because they are from a slightly worse hit area. I will be shooting yeah. the video soon, though. It's just been quite a lengthy process because the script took way longer to write than I expected. Yeah, because well, I mean, it, at this point, we know you're being safe and not being lazy. Yeah, so, you know, that's fine. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone anyone with half a brain isn't going to fault you for not wanting to bring coronavirus to your grandparents. So, <laughs> so. yeah, it's, it's just I, I'm. I have this thing in me telling me, you got to make that video, dude. But then I remember I can't. And I just, I really want to do it. I re- and that's the problem. I'm trapped right now. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it'll be, it'll be worth it. The wait will be worth it, folks. I, and, and as always, if you're listening to this on YouTube, if you look down in the, in the video description and there'll be a link to Eddie's uh, channel. Um, and if you're listening to this as a podcast, um, which you can, I had somebody comment on our last video saying, Hey, you should put this up as a podcast on Spotify. I'm like, yeah, it's there. (laughs) You go, you can go anywhere you listen to podcasts and you should be able to find cranked and ranked. Um, so depending on whether you actually want to see album covers in front of your face while we're talking about these, that's, that's for you guys (laughs) on YouTube. And if you want to take this with you on the go and you don't really care, then we are out there. We are out there for your podcast listening pleasure. And so, uh, yeah, so that being said, let's keep this one brief. Every once in a while, we need a, a, a quick, energetic one to clear the palate. And um, we're <laughs> going to be coming back next time with another not necessarily big discography, but one that um, I think needs a little more time yeah. and, um, and love. So, um, so yeah, we're not going to tell you what that is, but there was a hint somewhere in this episode. If you, if you, <laughs> if you're one of the beautiful people who listened to the whole, uh, episode, <laughs> then you may have gotten that hint, 
But um, that's all I got. Um, and uh, once again, thank you very much for listening or watching this, however you're taking it in. Um, we appreciate it. Make sure you're commenting. If you're, if, you're, if you're somebody who does listen to this on the podcast and that's all you're doing and you want to send us something, you can send an email to oldheadpodcast at gmail.com and send me your hate mail or some ideas or some praise or some dick pics, like whatever, <laughs> whatever you feel <laughs> like sending. Don't, I mean, don't send me any dick pics, but I mean, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe I'll rate it. I'll rate your dick and send it back to you and let you know what I think about it. But, um, <laughs> wanked I'm, overall, wanked. I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a, yeah. <laughs> Great and wanked. That, that is amazing. Um, I'm not a fan of dicks in general, so you may not get a good rating from me, but feel free. Um, anyway, <laughs> all right, before I go too far into this weird whatever the fuck it is that's happening, um, I'm going to sign off. Um, so thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again next week. Eddie, take us out. Later, dude. <laughs>